Today's message is titled, True Life. True Life. And I want to turn to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37, it's not on your outline, starting at verse 18. Genesis 37, starting at verse 18. I keep thinking about all the struggles that so many people are going through, and it seems like there's something in the air that has caused people to be so down. They're unhappy with their life. They're unhappy with their marriage. They're unhappy with their parents. They're unhappy with their jobs. They're just unhappy, and they, they, they're just out there striving to find something to give them peace, but they're not finding it. And even believers are falling into this. There just seems to be this heaviness. I don't know what's in the air. I just believe it's a real intense spiritual battle for where we are. And my advice would be stay strong, stay plugged in, continue to walk out the Word of God. Stay strong, stay plugged in, and, and continue to walk out the Word of God. Allow God to help you. I realize your family has played a part. I realize that neighbors and, and friends and things going on in media play a part, but Jesus is still the answer. He's the only answer. He's the only hope. He's the only peace, and he's the only real source of joy. Amen? Because his joy is our strength. And that's what we have to have. So Genesis chapter 37, starting at verse 18, and I just wrote down here, from the pit to the palace. From the pit to the palace. This is the story of Joseph. And I just want to highlight it as I get into my message this morning. I feel like a lot of people feel like they're either following into a pit, they're in a pit, and they're not sure how to get out. And I'm not going to have a show of hands, but a lot of folks will say, I'm there or I'm going through this. It's a struggle. I, I, I see ministers, and, and they're running from thing to thing to thing, trying to come up with some new gimmick, some new sermon series, some new church growth thing that will help them grow their church. But what's the motive behind that? Is it just to have a bigger crowd? Or is it really about taking people deeper in Jesus, being able to speak the truth of God's word, and even when the truth hurts, continue to speak it when people may leave because they're upset or they're under conviction, you continue to preach the word. You continue to preach the word. Because truly the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. And what the devil has done, he's got us all so focused on us and our struggles that we are forgetting to reach out to others. The best way to get out of the pit is go try to bless somebody else. Be a giver, not a taker. Be a person that's reaching out and extending an arm, loving, caring, praying for people. Shaloy was talking to me this week about some stuff that that she had been walking through and the enemy had been t attacking her. And she said, man, I'm sitting and, and I'm talking with someone. And before you know it, I'm telling this person about Jesus. And, and they said, oh, I believe in the Lord. And she said, no, no, no. Do you believe that the Lord is Jesus Christ? No. 
No, it was another Lord. She goes, no, no, no. Jesus is Lord. He's the only way to heaven. He's the only way you get. He loves you. You have such a sweet spirit. God wants you to know his son. We just have to take every opportunity because they can give you a quick answer, but it may, may not be the right answer. Amen? But many of us say, oh, you know the Lord? Okay, I'm done with you. But Shaloi, she goes, I couldn't believe this was coming out of my mouth. The Lord is the Lord Jesus? Is that who you're talking about? No, no, no. They've got to, you've got to know Jesus. We've got to be able to do that. So verse 18 in Genesis 37. This is Joseph's brothers. And you've got to think about Joseph. He and his brother, their mother was like the apple of Jacob's eye. And there was Rachel and Leah and And um, Leah, she was not that pretty. She wore the T-shirt, go ugly early. Because her name actually means not very, not very good to look at. And and that's what, that's, that's, and so I'm just trying to help you. I want you to understand what's going on here. And Rachel produces these sons, Joseph, Benjamin, and remember, Jacob was a deceiver. He was a twin. He had a brother, Esau. And Jacob had deceived, and then he got deceived by his uncle Laban. He thought he was marrying Rachel, but he woke up the next morning from his wedding night, and he was with Leah, her sister. And his uncle said, well, if you want Rachel, you got to work for me seven more years. Think about that, men. Worked seven years to get a bride. I didn't get one amen. (laughs) He'd already worked seven. Now he had to work seven more. So he was a deceiver because Jacob had deceived his father in getting the birthright that was due to Esau because Esau gave it up for a bowl of soup or chili or venison, whatever it was. And Joseph is little, and his dad's coming back to his homeland after all this time, and he's coming back, and he's going to encounter the brother that he deceived, the brother that he stole the birthright from, and Jacob is putting certain children Certain wives up in front, and he's taking Joseph and his mom. He's keeping them all back because he's worried that his brother hates him and is probably going to kill a bunch of them. And when he gets there, Joseph, as a little child, is watching this encounter with Esau and Jacob, and Jacob humbles himself before his brother And his brother starts weeping and grabs him and hugs him. And it's it's a great picture of God's grace. That you've messed up, screwed up the family, deceived the family, done terrible things, and yet you come back when you should be getting judgment and the brother forgives and loves and says, come on in. 
So Joseph saw this at an early age. We forget that he was there. So here's this young man now. His dad says, hey, go check out your brothers. Find out what's going on. And he's coming. And this is where we get to the story because his brothers couldn't stand him because he had these visions, these dreams about them bowing before him. He was already a favorite son. He had the coat of many colors. I thank God that my mom and dad always made sure my brother and I had the same type of coat. If I wanted a Green Bay Packers jacket, he got a Green Bay Packers jacket. If I wanted this, you know, it, it was always, you know, we always had the same. If we were going to church, we both wore the same blazer, a little blue blazer with a little thing on it. I don't know what it said, wild child or something. So we were marked. But Joseph comes to his brothers. They saw him, verse 18, from afar, and behold, he came near to them, and they conspired against him to kill him. Oh, my gosh. The guy has a couple of dreams, and they're going to kill him? Now, how many have siblings? Let me see your hand. How many will be honest, and you've gotten into it with your siblings growing up? Let me see your hand. Okay. And there's probably, don't raise your hand on this, you're probably times when you wanted them to leave the earth. And you wanted to help them leave the earth. But you didn't. You didn't do it. So here we go. They wanted to kill him. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him. And we'll see what will become of his dreams. There it is. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, throw him into the pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him, that he might later rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat. And looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm, myrrh, and on their way to carry, carrying it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And let not our hand be upon him. For he is our brother, our own flesh, and his brothers listened to him. The, the Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him up out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver, and they took him to Egypt. What his brothers did was wrong. What Jacob did to Esau was wrong. Listen, there are things at times in our lives where people do bad things to good people. Amen? There are times where we have done bad things to good people. But if his brothers didn't take him out of the pit and sell him to the Midianites, Joseph would have never made the journey to the palace. You see, sometimes your pit 
The thing that you're walking through can be something that God is going to use to help so many other people, but you can't see it because you are saying, woe is me, when God is saying, keep your eyes fixed on me. Even though you're in the pit, I'm still with you, and I can walk you through it. You've got to be able to walk through the pit. They're putting pressure on your college. They're putting pressure on you in school. They're putting pressure on you at work. They're just saying, oh, I don't want to hear your Christian stuff. You know, you're a hypocrite. You're da-da-da-da. Everybody wants to slam you. It's unjustified. But Jesus is still Lord. I believe we have hope as we walk with God. I believe people are out there looking for answers, and you and I have them. We speak the truth in love. In love. Wanting them to be with us in heaven. Caring about all that's going on. And it's, it's so sad. Pits can be used to get you to your destiny. We know that he went to Potiphar's house. We know Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him and then lied about him. And he went to prison. And he went to prison and all of a sudden in prison, even at Potiphar's house, wherever he was, he was a blessed man. He had God's favor. In prison, he learned. You see, God was telling Joseph, Yes, you have dreams, and I'm going to elevate you one day, but before I can get you there, you've got to understand the culture that you're in. You've got to understand what the Egyptians are all about. You've got to understand what they do to one another, how they treat slaves, and then you need to understand what they do in their criminal situation with what happens in their prisons. I want you to understand all these things. And then the baker and the butler come, and they get thrown in prison. He interprets their dreams. He tells them that one of them is going to die, one of them is going to live, but please remember me. And they forget about him. From the time that he was thrown into the pit until he was finally put in Pharaoh's court, it was 17 years. That is hard for us to comprehend because we want things instantly. God is going to get you to the palace he has for you, but you've got to trust him along the journey. Yeah, but my health. Yeah, but my marriage. Yeah, but my job. Hang on. Keep trusting Jesus. Let him walk you through it. You don't know who you're going to reach, who you're going to touch, who you're going to minister to, because instead of it tripping up your life and becoming a stumbling block, it became a stepping stone, and you're able to reach out and pull those people out of the pit. When he finally got to Pharaoh's court and he was put in charge, he ended up saving millions of people. Millions. I think about the missionary that went to Africa with his family. And he spent years there ministering and ministering and ministering. And he only had one convert. And his wife got sick and she died. And one of his children died. And, and he only had one convert for years. I don't know if it was 25, 35 years he was there. And finally, he came back to the United States. His daughter was living there. He went back. 
to live with her. And she said, Dad, how you're doing? I'm a failure. I spent 35 years doing this, and I only had one. I'm a failure. He died feeling he was a failure. What he did not know is that one convert later on ended up reaching tens of thousands of Africans for Jesus. And village after village after village, he led them and led them to the Lord. What he thought was a failure was all God's plan from the pit to the palace to get all these people in the kingdom, and he didn't realize it, and he let the devil beat him up. Sometimes it's just for the one. Come on now. Jesus was amazing, a great speaker, a great healer, amazing all he did. And when it all came down to it, when it came down after his crucifixion, and he told them to go to the upper room, his church was only 120. Come on now. Son of God, three and a half years, his church was 120. They just walked away. The 120 stayed, but that 120 Change the world. We have to realize we get our eyes on the world's success and we forget about God's success. Love God with your whole heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Reach out and serve others. Colossians 1.16. For by him all things were credited in heaven, created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Look at your neighbor and say, you were created for him. Tell him that. Look at the other neighbor and say, you were created for him. Now look at him one more time and say, maybe God wants you to bless me. Tell him that. They need to hear that. Now look at Psalm 8. One through four. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Come on, somebody say amen. He is majestic. He has a purpose, a plan, and a destiny. That's what true life is. True life is living for Jesus and not worrying about the results. The results are in his hands. Man, if we could get that. Well, if I just had a bigger house. If I just had a better vehicle, if I just could train my children to be more respectful, there's all these things that we're always up in the ante. Why can't we enjoy the ride, the journey, and trust God for the results? Trust God for the results. Let him make the difference. John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory and the glory of his only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Oh, my goodness. When we start understanding what's going on here. So the point, number one today is this. It's not about you. 
If you're a millennial, Gen X, Gen Z, whatever they are now, JDW, I don't know what they are. It's not about you. Your brain's not fully developed yet. Hello. Doesn't happen until you're about 26. And for boys, I don't think it happens until you're about 34. And all the women said amen. Is anybody still married to a boy? Let me see your hand. Has to have all the toys. Oh, my gosh. The Tonka toys just get bigger. The guns get bigger, <laughs> more expensive. It's not about you. Job 12.10 says, in his hand is life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Romans 8.6 says, for to, set the, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. You want peace even with what's going on in the world. You want peace? Set your mind on the Spirit, on what God's doing. Holy Spirit, you're in charge. You're in charge. Please make a way. Guide me. Give me strength. Give me peace. Let me keep my joy. I just see so many Christians that are like, man, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I'm just, I'm, I'm in a dry land. The word's dry. My praise is dry. I'm parched. I'm dry. Come on, suck it up, buttercup. You live in America. You have been blessed like no other generation we have ever seen. There is more around you and more ability to do more for the kingdom of God than you. There's no reason to be dry. You should be looking for all types of water holes so you can keep spreading that water and that good news to all those people around and just splashing it on them. Come on. There's no sense in staying dry. I don't know why you're staying dry. You've got so many things with technology that will help you grow in the Lord. Okay, back down, Owen. Hebrews 2.10, for it was fitting that he, for whom, by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory. The glory of God was established in Genesis. We saw the glory in Jesus, and now we're part of the glory of God because we're his sons. Amen? We carry the glory of God. We shine forth. We make a difference. Adam was crowned with glory in Psalm 8. Jesus came and beheld the glory in John 1.14. Many sons were brought to glory in Hebrews 2. The world loves marketing with all of us being classified with words. And there's so much power in words. Parents, you can destroy your children with your words. Listen. Never tell your child he's a bad boy or you're a bad girl. They're not a bad boy or bad girl. They may have done something bad, but don't classify them as being bad. Don't tell them that. That action may have been bad, but they're not bad. Don't, don't condemn them and bring them down. Men, quit telling your wife she's a bad wife. 
Ladies, I married a bad apple. No, you didn't. God loves him as much as he loves you. Come on now. God loves him as much as he loves you. Salvation happens when we meet Jesus and all kinds of potential is unleashed. We've got to get out of the wrong spoken over us and start moving into the blessings that God has for us. And I'm not talking prosperity and all that kind of, I'm talking about just spiritual blessings of knowing Jesus and having a friend that sticks closer than a brother every day. And we get up and we say, God, where are we going on the dusty trail today? I remember when I was working in industry and I was in management, I would go into the break room and I would have employees in there cussing, mad, going, I said, what's going on? somebody's getting in here and eating our lunch. They're getting in the refrigerator and they're taking our lunch. And I mean, they're irate. I'm like, well, who would do that? We don't know. And I had a guy that worked on my shift. His name was Larry. I called him Big Larry because he was a big boy. And Big Larry was dating Big Lois. It's the truth. One day I went down to Big Larry and Big Lois, and he said, oh, and you know what they call us? I said, I don't know what they call you, Larry. Two tons of fun. And I said, Larry, you probably have a really good appetite. Oh, I do. And I looked at him, and I said, Larry, I sure hope, because Larry would eat lunch by himself in that break room. I said, Larry, I sure hope you wouldn't eat somebody else's lunch. Oh, no. Lois, I hope you wouldn't. Oh, no. I said, because they're talking about putting some poison in some food. And messing whoever's doing this up. Really? When are they going to do it? I don't know. They may have already done it. When? You know, there was never another lunch missed after that conversation. True story. 1 Corinthians 2.9, but, but as it is written, what no eye has seen nor ear heard, nor the, has it entered into the heart of of a man, what God has prepared for those who love him. You can be a Jacob. You can be a Joseph. You can be a Joe. You could be a Joni. You just don't know what God has in store. But sometimes you've got to find yourself in a pit, and you realize, how am I going to get out of this pit? And you've got to realize God will get you out in his timing, and he'll get you on the right trail. Because that's what true life is all about. It's growing from the pit. Some of you have walked through divorce, and it's been hard. It's been difficult. You don't even want that ex-spouse's name brought up in your presence. Now, I grew up in a family where we didn't have any divorce. When I met Shaloy, her parents had gotten a divorce before I'd met her. She was about 11 or 12. And I remember when we had our first son... And I said, this is going to be so great. 
at Christmas. We're going to get together. When he gets older, we're going to celebrate. And Shaloi's dad looked at me and he said, I'm not going to be in the same room with that woman. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And Shaloi and I talked about it. We're like, hey, we're going to have it here. Whoever wants to come can come. But we're not going to play that game because of decisions you guys have made. You got to let go of that past, amen? You got to forgive. Turn to somebody and say, be a forgiver. Be a forgiver. You see, God has a lot for you. He's a chain breaker. He's a man maker. He's a woman maker. He builds us up. He takes us down. He put Adam on the earth and crowned him with glory. And the glory is man having dominion. So we can occupy and fulfill the will of God. Religion is doing the glory is fulfilling. Can I say that again? Religion is all about doing, but the glory is fulfilling. It's important that we understand that. Glory means weight. The kabod, the glory has fallen. Ichabod means the glory has lifted. But the kabod is the weighty presence of God. The weighty presence of God. Psalm 8 tells us that he delegated to us. Adam's in the garden. Adam, name all the animals. I'm giving you authority. We got to get this. In the garden, God gave Adam the authority to do the things. Now just go do it. As a believer in Jesus Christ, we have God's glory. We have been given authority to speak things out and to walk out what God's word tells us. If you're struggling, I'll never forget, I, say, I tell this story all the time, but when my aunt was praying for her husband to come to know the Lord, and he wanted nothing to do with the Lord or church or anything, they would sit down, and she started praying, and then eventually she said, Honey, would you pray? He said, No, over the meal. And she kept saying that every meal, Honey, would you pray over the meal? No, I won't. No, I won't. Eventually, one day, she said, honey, would you pray over the meal? And my uncle prayed over the meal. She said, honey, I want you to go to church with me. I'm not going to church. She'd ask him every week. I'm not going. One Sunday she asked him, and he said, I'm going to go with you. And he gave his life to the Lord. She started treating him and believing that he was going to do it and kept speaking it to him, trusting that God was going to do it. She was speaking it out. She was declaring it. And you know what? It happened, and he became a mighty man of God. I don't know. I can't remember who wrote the song, Redeemed. I am redeemed. But he came to me. Because I was playing at my office, because he'd come over to the church to work on some things. And he said, because I'm Owen Jr., and they all call me Jr., he said, Jr., that's my favorite song. I'm like, what? He goes, I listen to that song all the time. And that's the song that was sung at his funeral. I am redeemed. 
He only had a second grade education. Never knew his father. My aunt taught him how to read and write. And, and he was a sharp guy, could do about anything. But he knew it was all God. But God worked through the wife. It's amazing what kind of things that we have when it comes to our family and what God wants us to do with our closest friends. Look at point number two. Your purpose comes through Jesus. Your purpose comes through Jesus. It's amazing the power of words. Have you ever watched a little child? And I'm not talking about the terrible twos. But you'll be like, Jared, come over here. And here he comes. Or if you have a dog, we had a dog named Rascal. Rascal, come here. I'd say, Rascal, sit. I said, Rascal, do you want to be a lawyer or a dead dog? And he would just fall dead. And I would start singing real high-pitched, and he would sing with me. I would just go, oh, so love me. And Rascal's like, rawr, rawr, rawr. But Rascal came when I called him by his name. Jared came when I called him. There is something when we name things, when we speak things out, and we declare things, things happen. It's important. Our words are important. Your purpose comes through Jesus. Can I tell you this? You can meet your goals, be a success in the world, and still fail in God's eyes. I was in management with Union Carbide after I graduated from Purdue. And I was in all these training programs, and I would go to Chicago so I could help train and find young managers and do all this kind of stuff and, and then evaluate them. And, but I'd go with the production manager and the personnel guy, and I found out that they didn't like me. And I couldn't figure out why. I was a good worker. I had not done anything to them. It's because on those trips while we were there, they were cheating on their spouses. And they couldn't talk freely about it around me. And other management people said, yeah, they quit talking about it around you, Owen. And the one guy played such a great act in church. And I just went about doing my business, being a believer. And all of a sudden, the department's head from Chicago were coming down, and they, we had to do a report on each department, and since I'm in the production department, they said, Owen, oh, you're going to give our report to all these vice presidents and executives that are coming. I'm like, what? Yeah, we're going to have you do it. So they gave me all these statistics and all these graphs, and I, graphs, and I'm putting all this stuff on the screen, and, and I memorized everything. 
So I went through and I shared all this stuff. And I had other guys, they were using three by five cards, but I just, I had a great memory. So I memorized it and I presented it and everything. And one of the vice presidents was like, who is that young man? And he comes up and he talks with me afterwards. And the next thing you know, they're offering me a position two levels above where I'm at within the next nine months. And the, my department head comes to me and says, Owen, I don't want you to take that position. What? I need you here. I'm like, you've never told me that at all. No, I need you here. I have plans for you. And I'm sitting there thinking, Jay, you really don't even like me. And I said, I'm going to take the position. You see, I was in a pit, kind of being put aside, put away, never getting any type of encouragement, but God was going to get me to the position he wanted me to get in. All I'm telling you is this, if you'll be faithful and continue to trust God in your marriage, in your job, in life, with your family, continue to keep doing the right thing and trusting the Lord, loving others, God will get you to where he wants you. And wouldn't you know it, right when they offered me that position, I get an offer to go in the ministry. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. No, 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 no. And I remember interviewing with the church telling them, if there's one person that says any negative thing, I'm out of here. Because I can see the dollar signs. But Shaloy's like, you have this call. You know you have this call. We're going to pray about it. And we both knew that we were supposed to do what God wanted us to do. See, God will take you down a journey. Your purpose is through him. Matthew 16, 25, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Come on now. Sometimes you got to let the success of the world die and what you think it could be because your success and the world's success is not God's success. And when you're not sure, just stay put. Just stay put. Charles Hackett used to tell me the will of God is just like a stoplight, Owen. If it's red, God's telling you to stay. If it's yellow, he's telling you, be very cautious before you make a decision. If it's green, just go. He just simplified it. Matthew 22, I'll close with this. The last point is this. You are not an accident. You're not an accident. I'll get to Matthew here in a minute, but Isaiah 42 says, Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb and will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, whom I have chosen. You've been chosen by God. 1 Corinthians 2, 7. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages of our glory. Jesus knew you before you were ever born. He knew what he had planned for you. God knew it.
The problem is we're basing our success on the standards of America instead of on God's standards. That joy that God gives, mm, that peace that he gives, there's not enough money, not enough accolades that could take and replace what God can do. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning? In Matthew 22, the Pharisees send this lawyer to come to Jesus. And you know, there's like, I don't know, over 600 rules that they've invented along with the Ten Commandments that you have to keep. And you have to do them at certain times. And there's all these regulations and this legalism. And, and so this attorney comes to this lawyer and he asks him a question. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all, with all your soul. This is the greatest and the first commandment, Jesus said. And the second, I'm going to add one, is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. What was he saying? It all is based on these two You can forget about those 600. Just love God with your whole heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Sometimes loving your neighbor, your spouse, your parent, your child, your brother, your boss, your coworker, means you die to self. And you bite the bullet. You turn the other cheek. And you say, it's not about me anymore. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about loving them the way Christ would have me do it. Would you bow your heads? True life. When I think about the Father knowing me before he ever created me, that is so cool. Knowing that all my flaws and all my failures and all my sin, he was going to love me in it and through it. Amazing love. Amazing love. Well, hello, you two. You guys want to come up here and stand with Happy? Come on up here. I see two of my grandchildren walking up here. Hi, Elise. I love you. Hi, Jude. They just had birthdays. You can stay right here with me. Because as a father loves you, so you can love others. You know what grandchildren and children do to you? How they stir things up. I was just telling Jude the other day, he's the best colorer I've ever seen. He's incredible as he puts things on paper. And Elise is my princess. And she can dance and she's so beautiful. But that's exactly how God sees us. He says, Owen, you're the best. He says, Shaloy. You're beautiful. 
So with your heads bowed this morning, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can make him Lord. That's true life. You can ask Christ in your life with everybody bowing their heads, nobody looking around. If you don't know Jesus this morning, you've never made him Lord of your life, and you'd like to receive him, I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to be serious and say, you know what, I need to commit my life to Christ. Would you just raise your hand if you're out there this morning? Would you raise your hand if you don't know Christ? Don't want to miss anybody. You're here this morning and you say, Owen, I'm in a pit. Or I'm on this, this journey. It's tough. Man, I've been through some stuff. Whew. I've questioned, Lord, are you still with me? Help me to hang in there. If that's you this morning, you're saying, I really am struggling with what's going on. It could be your family, your health, your situation at work, your finances. Nobody look. Would you lift your hand and say, remember me in prayer? That's me. Come on. Could be in a relationship. That's right. Just take it up and put it back down. Anybody else say, just remember me in prayer when I'm in a pit? It wasn't justified. And you can give me all excuses why you're in it, but you're saying, I'm in a pit. Maybe they did something wrong to you, but you, anybody else just remember me in prayer? Remember me? Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Yes. I want everybody that lifted their hand, everybody here, just say this prayer with me out loud. Those watching at home out loud also, just say it out loud. Jesus, I forgive those that conspired. They weren't justified. They helped get me into this pit. I forgive them. And I also, Lord, ask you to forgive me if I put myself in this pit. I'm sorry for not trusting you. My destiny is in your hands. Help me to love others, to love you, to serve others. Keep my joy and my peace along the journey from the pit to the palace. You're going to get me there. And I love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to somebody and say, it was great having you here this morning. Amen. <laughs>